The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. I'm so glad you're here this morning. I hope you're glad to be here. And I told our Sunday uh, brunch folks this morning, I have a new frock on this morning. I had a new shirt and a new tie. And uh, Denise or JC1 bought them for me, and I thought I was supposed to wear them today. And it reminded me of the little girl uh, during children's church on Easter Sunday morning. All the the children were dressed in their finest clothes, and uh, the preacher was talking to the the children, and and he told one little girl, you have a beautiful dress on this morning. And and she said, I know, Uh, and Mama told me, don't get it dirty we're taking it back tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'm, I'm going to keep this this morning. And uh, I've kind of all over the board this morning uh, with where I was going with my message. And uh, I was thinking about the importance of the resurrection. And uh, I told our, our Sunday school this morning that the, the thing that sets uh, Christianity apart from all other religions is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection of Christ... Uh, there, there is, Paul says our, our sins are not forgiven, our preaching is useless. Uh, everything we do as Christians without the resurrection of Christ is useless. And, and that's why we celebrate the resurrection. That's why today is a day when we come to church, a day that we uh, get excited about the resurrected Lord and Savior because we're reminded of what Christ done on the cross for us. And as I begin to think about those things, actually yesterday and in all last night I dreamed and I kept coming back to this, uh, this message that I want to preach. And, and I've, I've kind of dealt with this subject before in the past, but I want you to think about this. If you could make your top ten list, a top ten list of the most important question in the Bible, what would it be? And I, and I don't want to hear them this morning, but I want you to think about that. And I have my top ten list this morning of the most important questions in the Bible. On the most important day, and of course, every day we serve a risen Savior. Every day we recognize the resurrection. But there is something special about today, the day that we celebrate the resurrected Savior. And, and on this, uh, this important day, what is the most important question in the Bible? Now, this is my opinion, so I'm not saying that there's uh, ten questions that you can list and say these are the most ten uh, important questions according to Scripture. This is according to me, and I want to kind of plead my case to you, and I want you to think about these ten most important questions in the Bible. And they're not really listed. I guess they are kind of listed in, in the order that I think the most important are. And the first is this. We go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And I think the one important question in the Bible, and this could be the most important question, is where Satan asked Adam and Eve, did God really say... He asked this question. It, it says, now the serpent was the most cunning of, of any craft or any animal in all of a, uh, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, why is that an important question? I want you to think about that. This is where sin entered the world. I mean, this is the first time there's ever sin recorded in Scripture because following that is where the, the Bible says that 
that Eve took and she saw the fruit was good to eat and she gave to her husband there with her and then God was in the garden and they went and hid themselves and God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and he says, where are you at? And, and they said, we've hid ourselves. And he said, why are you hiding? And he said, because we're naked and we were afraid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I've commanded you not to? And what did Adam do? He said, well, that woman you gave me is her fault. And what did Eve do? Eve said, well, it's that serpent you created. It's your fault, God, that you, that you even put him here. And the finger pointing started and all of those things, and we know what follows that. So I think that's a very important question. And we find it coming from the lips of Satan. Did, did God really say these things? And we talked a little bit last week about how still today Satan uses some of those same topics. He uses the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And he hangs those things in front of us and he tempts us. And so we can see from this very first Genesis scripture here that that's an important question. But I don't think it's the most important question. So what's the next thing? And, and I thought this was kind of interesting. In Genesis 32, we, we see a question asked to, to, to someone, and the question is, Jacob, what is your name? Now, why is that an important question? Well, I was reading, I was thinking about this, and, and uh, this is a story about Jacob, and he's sleeping and he's wrestling with someone. Y'all remember that? And he's wrestling with an angel. And they wrestled all night long, and at, towards the end of that, uh, the angel says, you have to let me go because light is coming. And Jacob said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. And the angel says, what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And he says, not anymore, your name will be Israel. So when we look at this, this is where God began his chosen race. This is where God began to put together the line of which he would come. Israel was born here. Israel started here. And of course, that's God's chosen people still today. Now, we know we live in the time of the Gentiles, but but that's God's chosen people. So I thought, you know, that's pretty important because we begin to see the genealogy of Jesus in that. We begin to see someone pointing towards the birth of the Savior. So as I thought about that, that's a pretty good question, but but... Here's the next one I thought about. And that kind of leads right along. We see that Israel begins. So, so the next question is this. I find it in Isaiah chapter 13. Will you weary God too? Now what's happening during this part of the Scripture is this, it says on our Scripture, now Isaiah said, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of God also? What was happening here is they begin to look for the Savior. So they're looking for the coming of Christ. And they begin to say, we want a sign. We want a sign. We want a sign. And, and Isaiah comes before them and he says, you know what? You're, you're asking a sign and you're, you're, wearing, you're wearing men out about this. And now you've begun to wear God out about this. And, and they begin to say, hey, we, we want a sign. We want to hear from you. So God says, okay, I'm going to give you a sign. And he said, hear now, O Israel, house of David. It's a small thing for you to worry men, but will you worry God also? So the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, a virgin will conceive, and she will bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So in that question... 
where it says, are you going to weary God? Are you going to pester God? We see the, the birth of the Savior foretold. That has to be an important question because at that point, Israel begins to understand the Messiah is coming. Emmanuel, God with us, is coming. So he answers that question. He asks the question. He says, and this is going to be a sign unto you. And you know, if the, the Christmas story, you go over into Matthew, and it says this will be a sign unto you, and she'll give birth, and she'll wrap him in swaddling clothes, and she'll lay him. That's where this comes from. This is where that, that quote in Matthew comes from. So it goes all the way back to Isaiah. So that's got to be an important question. When, when we begin to look at this and, and beyond that, that can't be the most important question in Scripture. So I, I got to thinking about this and, and the fourth thing that I think would qualify as one of the top ten questions is this, are you Christ or should we be looking for someone else? Y'all remember that? You remember John the Baptist who comes and he's, he's preaching and he's making a way for Christ. And, and some folks go out in Matthew eleven three 3 and they said to him, Are you the one who should come or should we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John again those things which you have heard and those things which you have seen. This is as Christ starts his ministry. And John the Baptist sends some folks over to say, hey, go talk to this guy and ask him, are you the one that's coming or are we waiting on somebody else to get here? And Jesus said, hey, go tell John, here's the things I've done, the miracles I've performed, the blind have been given sight, the deaf has been given hearing, the the lame has walked again. Go tell John the things you have seen. And then later, John the Apostle, we see that when he looked, John saw Jesus coming towards him the next day, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So when we begin to look and we begin to think about what's the most important question in Scripture, surely it could be this one. Where Jesus Christ beginning His ministry, He's beginning His time on earth, He begins to call His disciples together. He begins to fulfill all the prophecies. And, and in those questions there, that's got to rank on up there pretty high. When we ask that question, are you the Christ? Or, or are we looking for someone else? But I don't think that's the most important. So here's number five. Jesus asked this question, these questions so far, you know, we had Isaiah, we had Satan ask a question, we've had, uh, we had uh, Matthew, uh, uh, we had John asking the question, John the Baptist, we had some men going before. Christ asked this question, so surely it's got to be one of the most important. So this is what Christ say, who do men say that I am? Christ asked that question. He, he said, who do men say that I am in Mark eight twenty seven? And Jesus said to his disciples, he went out into the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and in the way he asked his disciples, saying to them, whom do men say that I am? Now look how they answered. And they answered and said, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And in others say that you're one of the prophets. So Jesus goes, he looks at his followers, he says, who do men say that I am? This morning, I want us to think about that question. That's an important question. Who do folks say Christ is? And even today, who do you say Christ is? I mean, if we look at the world, we get all kinds of answers. We get answers like, well, he was a good man, he was a prophet, 
Uh, he was a great teacher. I mean, you can ask that question today, who do men say that I am? And we can get all kinds of answers and all kinds of ideals, but, but that's a question Christ asked himself. Here's another one that Christ asked. Number six, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So Christ said, who do men say that I am? We can think about that. And then he asked the question, who do you say that I am? Now, that could be number one, couldn't it? I know I'm doing these backwards. I'm going ten, 1 to 10. I should be going 10 to 1. But, but that's what you meant this morning, Jeremy, wasn't it, wherever you're at? <laughs> uh, I just blew him off because, <laughs> you know, but anyway. Uh, I didn't really just blow him off. But uh, who, who, do, who do you say who do you say that I am? You know, think, think about that question. Think about this morning. If Christ asking that question today, who do you say Christ is? That's, that's surely got to be number one, but, but I don't think it is. I, I don't think that's the number one question. I certainly think it's worth looking at. I certainly think it's worth considering. Here's one that just kind of, that's kind of cuts to me right here. And Jesus asked it also... So we think about this, did God really say these things? Who are you? And Israel's begun. Here's a sign to you, Christ is going to come. Are you Christ? Are we looking for someone else? Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then Christ asks this question, when I return, will I find any righteous on earth? Boy, isn't that convicting? I mean, Christ asked that question. He said, you know, when I return, when I, when, I, when I come back from my church, will I find any righteous left? And, and in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 37, says, Be ready for whatever comes. Be dressed for action with your lamps lit like servants who are waiting for their master to come back from a wedding feast. And when he comes and knocks, they will open the door for him at once. And how happy are those servants whose master finds them awake and ready when he returns. I tell you, he will take off his coat, he will sit down with him, and he will wait upon them. If you read different translations, it, it, some of them say he'll feed them. Some of them says he'll provide a meal. He'll, he'll provide meat for, the, for them. So, so when we just ask ourselves that question, that's an important question. When we think our relationship with God and we think about where we are, when God returns, will he find me ready? Will he find me righteous? Will he find me where I, where I need to be? That's a great question. That's something that I think, I think we, we need to really consider and we need to think about. But here's one I think maybe even more important. His disciples are there gathered around. They're talking. They're talking with Jesus. And, and one of them says this, Jesus, tell us when you're coming again. Isn't that an important question? Wouldn't you love to know that? Wouldn't we, wouldn't we love to sit here today and say, you know, Christ is coming again on this day at this hour. What's the problem with that? Man, you talk about an empty church. If we knew he wasn't coming for two more years, why would we be here? I mean, let's just coast along till a week or two before he comes back and then get everything right. I mean, there's a million reasons, but none of those fit into here because in Matthew he says here, and he sat up on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately, so they privately whispered to him, Tell us when these things shall be, 
And what shall be the sign of, the, of your coming and a sign of the end of the world? And, and to think about that, boy, that is an important question. Don't we wish Christ had just said, here it is. I mean, at least give us a, uh, within a year or two, you know, give us something. But, but you know what Christ said? He says that, that even the Son of Man knows not the hour. But listen to what he does say. He says the Son of Man will come. And before I say this, I want to ask you to think in your mind, is Christ coming today? Or is Christ coming tonight? And I, I would say for all of us, including myself, I would say probably not. He's probably not coming today. But the Bible says this, the Son of Man will come at an hour that you think not. And, and we read a scripture a while ago that says, hey, be prepared, keep your lamps trimmed. Be, be prepared for the Master of return. And, and happy will those be and blessed those will be who are waiting on that return. So, so to think about that, when are, when are you going to come again? That's, a, that's an important question for us. But I don't think it's number one. So, so number nine, or number two, however you want to number them, here's a great one. You remember what happened? The, the, the Christ was on the cross, and he died, and they took him down from the cross, and they took him to the tomb, and he was buried in the tomb. And, and then on Easter morning, there were some ladies went out to the tomb, and they took some spices, and they took some things, some embalming things, and they were going to come, and they were going to tend to the body of Jesus. And there was a question asked there, and it was asked by an angel, and some say it was asked by Christ, and he said this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Isn't that a great question? Isn't that why we're here this morning? We're here this morning because of the resurrected Savior. We're here because when they came before the tomb in Luke 24, and they were all afraid, and they bowed down their faces to the earth, and he said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And remember how He spoke to you and while you were still in Galilee and how He told you these things, that He would be raised again. What an important question. Why seek you the living from among the dead? And we see that question and it, it brings back all of those memories to, to these two ladies who are there. And they run and they get the disciples and they say, we went to the tomb and the tomb was empty. And Christ wasn't there, and there was a gardener there, and he said that he had been risen just as he said he would. And the disciples went out, and they ran, and they looked, and there was an empty tomb, and, and all of the implications that go with that. And they recognized that, that Christ had risen, and we come today to, to celebrate that, and we come to worship a risen Savior today. Surely that's number one. Surely that's the most important question is why would we seek a Savior who is dead when we have an opportunity to seek a risen Savior, a a Savior that's been raised from the dead? But I don't think that's number one. Here's what I think is the number one question in all of Scripture. I've got it listed as number ten. You can have it as ten or number one. And Christ didn't ask this question. God didn't ask this question One of the disciples didn't ask this question. One of his closest followers didn't ask this question. Who asked this question was one of his enemies. The person that asked this question is the person that stood before the crowd and said, we're going to crucify this man. He's the one that went before everyone and said, okay, I have the power to do whatever that anything that I want, anything I have the power to do, 
I can do to this man? And here's the question he asked, and I think it's the most important question we find in all the Scripture. And it's in Matthew 27, 22, and it was asked by Pilate. And Pilate said to them, What shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? You know what? I think that's the most important passage of Scripture. I think that's the most important question in the Bible. And I want to pose that question to you this morning. What shall I do with Jesus? Just think about that question out of, out of all the questions, and, and your list may not have any of these on there. There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of questions in Scripture. There's, there's things we could go and we could say, boy, I, I think this should be in there, and I think that should be in there, and, and I think all of these other things could find a place in a, in a top ten list. But, but don't you think number one is this, what am I going to do with Jesus? Because you know what's going to happen? One day we're going to stand before God the Father. And the Scripture says He's going to ask us that question. What have you done with my Son, Jesus Christ? What have you done with Him? And for some, some will say, you know what? I was, I've been a good person. I've been a giver. I've gone to church. I've done all these things. But, but you know what? I've never accepted Him as my personal Savior. The Lord says this. He's going to say, go away from me. I never knew you. For others that, that have accepted Christ, He's going to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. I've prepared a place for you that you may be where I am also. But, but we get to that point simply by asking this question, What shall I do with this Christ, the one who's called Jesus? You know, as we look at this, there were some that procrastinated. Y'all remember when Paul went to trial and he went before Felix and he went before the governors? And the, he, began to, he began to tell uh, the governors there about Jesus Christ and the gospel. And they said, well, come back later. Here's what he said. When we have a more convenient season, I'll hear from you again, Paul. And he procrastinated. And, and some procrastinate. Some say, you know it. When it's more convenient, when, when the timing's better, when, when I get these things done and when I get my living done, when I get all of these things done, then I'll answer that question. The problem is with Felix and the problem is with so many that that more convenient time never comes. So, so what should you do with this one called Jesus? Some simply wanted to put him out, just put him behind. I, I don't want to think about that. That's what the crowd said. The crowd cried out, crucify him. Kill him. Get rid of him. We're tired of hearing him. We're tired of seeing him. He's been walking around stirring everything up. Let's just get rid of him. Those were a lot of the Jews. They didn't like this, this new way. They didn't like Jesus Christ. They, they didn't like what was happening. And the Pharisees said, hey, let's just kill him and bury him and get rid of him. Sometimes that's our response. What will I do with Christ? You know, I'll just, I'm just, I don't want to hear about it. i just, just put him on the back shelf. Some deny him. Y'all remember Peter? Man, I don't know this guy. I'm, I'm with all my buddies here. I'm gathering around the enemy's fire, and I'm warming my, warming my hands here, and, and I don't know who he was. I, he, he's nothing to me. I want to ask you this morning, what, what will you do with this one called Christ? Some accept him as Savior. You know what? We make things difficult sometimes that are, that are really hard, and we make things really hard too easy sometimes. But you know what? The easiest thing 
is simply this. The Bible says if we confess with our lips that we're a sinner. The, th- the thing is, we're a sinner by birth. It doesn't matter what we've done. We've inherited a sinful nature. If we confess that and we confess that there's a need for a Savior, all we have to do is ask Christ for forgiveness, ask that His blood would cover our sins, and we'll be saved. That, that's, some, that's something so simple even a child can understand. So the question this morning is, what shall I do with Jesus, this one called Christ? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Fathers, we just think about just the, the implications of the questions that we've looked at this morning. As we think about that question that says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? And how important that is for us to know today that we, we do serve a risen Savior and, and, and you're alive. And, and regardless of what men may say, Father, we know that you're alive because you live within our hearts. Father, for those who's asked you to come in to, to forgive their sins, to, to come into their heart, Father, that, that today uh, we, we have a, a risen Lord, a risen Savior within us. Father, I know there's things we can't explain, there's things we can't understand, but by faith, forsaking all, we trust you. Father, today, as we consider what will I do, not my mother, not my father, not my family, my friends, but what shall I do with this one called Christ? Father, I pray today that we'd make that decision, that we'd answer that question and that most important question, the most important one we'll ever answer. And Lord, today I pray that we would find ourselves in that right relationship with you. And Father, right now as we have opportunity just to to consider that question, to answer that question. Lord, you tell us that if you're lifted up from this earth, that you'll draw all people into yourself. Father, you was talking about that raising up on the cross, and we know that you were raised up on a cross and that you gave your life an atoning sacrifice for us. And Father, we know through that, through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, that you have been wooing people, you have been calling people, unto yourself since that time. And Lord, I pray this morning as we consider what we will do with you, I pray, Lord, if we feel that drawing of the Holy Spirit today, if we feel that wooing of the Holy Spirit, that we would respond to you in faith. Lord, we know there's a lot of things that we can't answer, a lot of questions we don't have the answers to. And Father, you even tell us in Scripture that there's some things this side of heaven that we see in a dimly lit mirror but after death, we'll see plainly and we'll know in full. Lord, I pray today we wouldn't worry about the things that we don't know, but today we'd worry about, or we would think about, and we would find joy in the fact of knowing you and knowing that you call us. Lord, I pray now as the time of invitation comes that we would follow you wherever you would lead us. And, Father, we'd realize your greatness in this service today. In Jesus' name, amen.